by the power of the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament. Then we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. My friends, it's just that simple. It's in the divine service that he's there for you, that he delivers the forgiveness. That's where he promises forgiveness will be. Uh, And so that's why it's so important uh, to be in church. We long that God would answer the prayer when we pray, deliver us from evil. Get me out of here. Get me out of this sin-filled world. And that is Jesus Christ uh, who says, Do not count their sin against them, for my blood has paid the price for that. Now on 95.7 FM, it's Proclaiming the One with Pastor Clint Poppy and Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome once again to Proclaiming the One. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, Vicar Albert Bader. We're pleased to serve at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Each week we take a look at the upcoming readings. We analyze them with a focus on Christ. We proclaim the one Savior from sin, Jesus, God-man for you crucified and risen to take away the sin of the world, to take away your sin. Today, we are right smack dab in the middle of our pre-Lent season, the uh, Jezima or the Gezima Sundays. And last week, we took a look at Septua Gezima, which was roughly 70 days before Easter. Today, we're looking at Sexagesima, or sexagesima, depending on which uh, pronunciation of your Latin terms you want to look at. And so we are roughly 60 days. We're getting closer and closer to Ash Wednesday. And these Jesima Sundays have kind of a uh, loose connection. Last week, the uh, loose connection was kind of a grace alone. And that ties in very well with our um, Lutheran Reformation understanding of we are saved by grace through faith on account of the person and work of Jesus Christ alone as revealed to us in the Bible alone to God alone be the glory. The uh, solas of the Reformation. The first of the Jesima Sundays is uh, pretty much a grace alone Sunday. The last one of our uh, Jesima Sundays Quinquagesima. We'll look at that next week. That's very much a faith alone. And today on Sexagesima, you can uh, put in, I suppose, if you want to look at these uh, word or these alone kind of statements, it is scripture alone or the word alone. You can keep that in the back of your mind. That may be helpful. Uh, that may just be a distraction. So if it is, uh, flush it down wherever you flush. Sexagesima. The introit are selected verses from Psalm 44. Psalm 44. Vicar, take it away. Awake. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Rise up. Come to our help. O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. With You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Okay, we have several very distinctive and different kind of themes that are jumping out at us. Right off the bat, we have awake Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us. Now, in our Advent season and the first, uh, the last few weeks of our church year, we had a lot of this wake up, wake up kind of talk, but it was reverse. God is preaching to the sinner to wake up, wake up from our sleep. Here, it seems that things are backwards. Pastor, what's going on here? 
Well, I think it's a perception. It reminds me of the scripture lesson we had about a month ago where uh, Jesus was uh, sleeping on the boat while the storm was raging and the disciples wake him up and say, why are you sleeping? Don't you know we're perishing? And uh, it's a misconception that uh, even Jesus sleeping on the boat doesn't know what's going on or can't uh, provide and care for people. God never really is sleeping. It's our perception of what's going on, that uh, he's not working the way we want him to. He's not doing what we want. He's not... uh, uh, fixing things exactly as we want, and so it seems like maybe he's not paying attention or he's sleeping, and that's not the case. Uh, and so this, this prayer is, is more a prayer of, uh, you know, Lord, pay attention. seems like you're not. Uh, don't reject us. Uh, don't uh, ignore us, but instead listen to our pleas and our cries and help us out here. Vicar, when would be some times in the life of a Christian when it would seem that God doesn't notice, doesn't care, or is sleeping when things are going on in my world that I want him to pay attention to. Yeah, well, it could be a plethora of different things, but normally we might think this way when we're just down in our lowest. Uh, We're having troubles within our own family, or we have loved ones that are sick and at the point of death, and we seem to continually be sending prayers to God, Lord, please help deliver us from this time of uh, tribulation, and it seems like our prayers aren't being answered or aren't being heard, and so we might ask him to rouse himself, stop sleeping, Lord, and help. And at all times, we as Christians should know that our Lord does indeed hear our pleas, and he's always close to us. He's never far away. Uh, Just sometimes the way that he answers our prayers might not be the way that uh, we want him to answer them. I think it uh, reflects what's in our small catechism in the uh, Lord's Prayer. Uh, Fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. God certainly gives daily bread to everyone, even without our prayers, uh, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. I think therein lies part of the challenge, us realizing what he's doing. Yes, and and, uh, God does not sleep the way we think of uh, sleep, where you're you're dead to the world, God uh, God does not do that. But there are times when, as Vicar pointed out, our soul is bowed down to the dust. We are talking about the deepest depths of despair. We are talking about um, suffering and suffering beyond imagination maybe maybe suffering that has driven us to the point where we just don't want to suffer anymore and we cry out to god i've heard people say on numerous occasions uh, i've tried everything else so i guess now i'll have to pray and that's not all bad when god teaches us that our our human efforts our human attempts to fix our problems or take away our suffering, always fall short. And now the next line is uh, especially important, as we talked about our theme before. Oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us. What are we talking about here? What have they heard with their ears, and what have their fathers told them? The uh, intro it goes on and says it's the deeds that uh, God performed back in their days. In other ways, uh, our fathers have told us how you took care of them in the past, how you uh, led them out of Egypt in slavery, how you uh, took them through the Red Sea, how you fed them in the wilderness, how you uh, made water flow from the rock. Even uh, later on, you could say, you know, how you preserved the nation of Israel through the judges of Ehud or Othniel or uh, Gideon and all these things, how you have preserved David and brought him to the throne, uh, all sorts of ways, you could say, even after the exile, how you preserved us even in exile and brought us back to Jerusalem and allowed us to rebuild the wall. They see God caring for them all the time, and the fathers pass that on to the children, and uh, the children, as they see that same thing take place in their life, are able to pass it on to their kids. The fathers passed it on to their children. Uh, Are we talking oral tradition? Are we talking myths and fables? Uh, How does that tie in with our theme today, which uh, we're going to get when we get to the gospel reading, with regard to the Bible? 
or to the Word of God. Help me, well, help me connect those dots. All those things that I mentioned there a minute ago are things that are recorded for us in the Scripture, um, and and that's the main source of where God's care and compassion is shown. Uh, as Jesus Himself says, all the Scriptures testify about Him and find their fulfillment in Him, and that's the main way God takes care of us and provides for us. And the Scriptures record that for us. And so, what's a father's job today? I think this is where you're going, right? A father's Correct. job today is to teach his kids the scriptures so that the children understand who Christ is, who God is. And once you understand how God, who God is and how he cares for you, you can see that in your own life, as we just heard from the catechism, providing all these things, giving us salvation in Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's amazing to me how, how parents in general, but especially fathers, want to pass on certain traditions to their kids um you know pastor moline i know your i know your dad i know your mom and they wanted to pass on to you a work ethic they did not want you to be given everything i i still remember walking into super saver one day and seeing this pimply little high school boy uh, working at the meat counter and I was a little surprised, but but your your parents wanted to pass that tradition on. You had chores at the house. You had you had expectations with regard to your homework and those kind of things. That was important. Vicar, I know that you were expected early on to be a an active, vital part of a working farm. Maybe even driving vehicles and machinery before you had a license and all that kind of stuff. Uh, these these traditions are important. These traditions are meant to be passed on. And yet, how many times these traditions stop with work and sports and family and fun. These traditions never go where God really wants them to go, and that is the Word of God. That is our history that we have as a shared history, being sinners redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And my encouragement today for all those who are listening is uh, don't, don't give up your traditions. Those traditions are great. But do not let these traditions trump God's house, God's word. You have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. The reason we can give thanks to God's name forever is because God's name lasts forever. Our favorite sports team, uh, that uh, favorite tractor or horse or whatever is really, really important in our life and in our family and our traditions, these things are wonderful and they bring us great enjoyment, but they don't last. There's only one thing that truly lasts, and that is Christ and his kingdom. And he has brought us into this kingdom through his word. In this word, we are able to recount all of the mighty deeds of the Lord, and that's exactly what is happening in this uh, particular introit. So uh, the word, the word, the word. Think about that as a uh, potential new tra- uh, tradition for your family. And while you're thinking about that word, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is Proclaiming the One.
Welcome back to Proclaiming the Law. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader. We're privileged to serve at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Today we're looking at the readings for this coming Sunday, Sexagesima. We are in the middle of our pre-Lent preparation time, roughly 60 days before our celebration of Easter. Our theme, loosely, roughly, pretty clearly, the word, the word, the word. Lord, Keep us steadfast in your word, as you heard in the children's hymn, that uh, great hymn authored by Martin Luther himself. The gospel reading for Sexagesima is Luke chapter 8, 4 to 15. Vicar? When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that, seeing, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones of the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Okay, a familiar parable of the sower, familiar to many of us, kind of has a special meaning in the state of Nebraska. When you pull into Lincoln and you look on top of the state capitol, you see a large, I believe it's bronze, of the sower. The sower. Uh, Vicar, you think it looks like you? I think it's a pretty good representation, yes. <laughs> um, I'm, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> I don't even know where to go. You caught, you caught me unawares there. But uh, we, have, we have the sower on top of the capital. Some people would look to the parable of the sower in the scriptures. Others would look to a more Nebraska scene, and that this is Johnny Appleseed, Nebraska City, the uh, the sowing of the uh, apple things like that. So I'm not really sure. Uh, Pastor Moline's got a got a devilish look in his eye right now. So um, we'll have to we'll have to check out what the author's intent or what the sculptor's intent was with regard to that statue. But anyway, here we have this parable, and with this particular parable, I like to divide it into three specific parts for us to examine, for us to study. You have the parable itself, and then right smack dab in the middle, you have Jesus with kind of an excursus or a discussion or a teaching about parables in general. And then starting at verse 11, we have Jesus explaining to us exactly what the parable meant. Now, I love parables like this because it's pretty easy to get off the beaten track and to come up with all kinds of wild, crazy, allegorical explanations for what's happening here. You can't do that when Jesus tells you what the things mean. And so we need to be very, very careful here that we heed Jesus' words as he says. He who has ears, let him hear. That's pretty clear. Uh, 
Can you uh, set the stage for us here, Pastor? We're in Luke 8. A great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to Jesus. Is there, uh, is there something significant going on around here? It seems to me that right around Luke 6 and 7 is the Sermon on the Plain, if I remember right. And so Jesus is teaching and large crowds are following him. Am I close? I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think uh, right before here, Jesus heals the uh, centurion. Uh, he's just called the women in the beginning of chapter 8. Um, we have also messengers from John the Baptist came in chapter 7. Uh, and so I think the uh, the parable, or sorry, the uh Teaching in the plain uh, is not exactly next to this, but we're we're not far away from it. Okay, and that's a few chapters before this. Is that correct? I believe the teaching so. on the plain. Yeah, I was listening to a uh, <clears throat> program on our uh, radio station recently, and the person who was being interviewed made it sound like the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain were exactly the same sermon from two different. Uh, perspectives or two different uh, ways people heard it. And uh, I, I have never heard a respectable Lutheran say that before. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that debate, and I don't know if this is the place to get into all the details on it, but the, the content is very similar, and the question was whether or not the Sermon on the Mount, the, uh, the phrase, he went up on a high mountain, was to show that this was a teaching from God in, in, in the same vein as Moses and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I'm not prepared to talk about all those details in that debate, but uh, I've, I've heard it both ways. Okay, well, um, I have not heard it that way and i just you know uh two different sermons from two different i mean many times jesus says similar things things, different places uh, in different places so i just i just it just caught me off guard i drove my car in the ditch (laughs) and uh so be careful if you're operating heavy machinery when you're listening to knna and it also tells you that you need to discern the spirits and uh I think we can take a page from the Bereans. Uh, I believe these Bereans were Christians that are recorded for us in uh, the Acts of the Apostles. I don't think they were skeptics or pagans. I think they were Christians. And uh, they heard the word of God that was proclaimed, and then they went home and studied the Bible to make sure that what they heard was in accord with the sacred scriptures. And uh, we would invite you and encourage you with anything that you hear on Proclaiming the One or any of the other programs on uh, KNNA 95.7 LP, The Cross, to, uh, to be discerning as you listen. And those are the kind of questions that we love, we love to get. Okay, well, let's get, get into the guts of the parable. Uh, Vicar, do you want to just kind of briefly explain the sower is sowing and there are four specific things that happen when the sower goes out to sow? Can you uh, just kind of briefly detail those four things? Yeah, the four things are first, he was sowing and some fell along the path where everybody's always walking and so it's... uh, hard clay or whatever so the seed didn't take the second is it fell along the rocks which has a little bit of soil in it but not enough to really have any moisture the roots can't grow into it so again the the seed didn't take the third was sown among thorns and the seed took however the thorns or the weeds that were growing up around it choked it out just as it would in today's soil and finally, out of all those four, we have some that falls on good soil, soil that uh, was properly prepared for the sowing of seed without the rocks, without the thorns, and it wasn't packed down tight like the path was. And when the seed fell on this, it grew, and the roots grew deep, and it was able to bear much fruit. Okay, produced a hundredfold. I don't know what kind of a hybrid, how that would uh, how that would. Uh, uh, square with uh, some of the stuff that's being planted on the uh, Bader family farm or anything like that. But we we can see this even with the garden that we have maybe in our backyards, a flower garden or a vegetable garden. The, uh, the place where people walk 
or drive, if you have a riding lawnmower or whatever, that path, the ground is different there. Things don't grow the same on that that ground that is packed down, that ground that is uh, always, always, always having a particular treatment in that respect. The seed just can't permeate. Your tiller doesn't want to go there. Your hoe doesn't want to go there. You also know that uh, if you have rocks in your garden, in your lawn, and maybe you know they're there, maybe you don't know they're there, you might have a spot in your lawn that you don't realize there's a big rock or a concrete block buried underneath there, and there's always one dead spot right in the middle of your lawn, and you can't figure it out. So one day you go out there and dig, and you dig down a little bit, and there's a rock or a concrete block. You dig it out, fill it in with dirt, never have that problem again. The roots cannot penetrate. The roots cannot get the water. The roots cannot grow, and the grass, the vegetables, the fruit cannot flourish. Here we're talking about wheat that is being sown, being scattered. That's the, uh, the word picture there. We, uh, we also know from our garden spot or from our vegetable garden that if you do not take care of the weeds, the weeds will certainly overrun your garden to the point where you may not be able to tell, even if it's grown, you may not be able to tell where the radishes, where the turnips, where the marigolds are because it's solid weeds. And eventually the bad chokes out the good. And then every once in a while in your garden, things just turn out just kind of right. Good seed, good soil, perfect sun, weeds are gone, uh, no rocks, everything goes good. Pastor. I just want to, uh, for the sake of discussion later, point out the oddness of the sower here. And, and maybe farmers would have picked up on this as well. I've never, ever seen a farmer drive their planter running down the road. Uh, at least not on purpose, and yet this sower is scattering seed on the road. When there's in, in Holy Land, the rocks are big. Uh, when there's a place where there's a big rock, I've never seen uh, a farmer go and run his planter over a giant rock in the yard or in the field. They always go around them, uh, and yet that's what this sower is doing. If there's a swampy, uh, weedy place, uh, lots of times the uh, farmer will go around that particular spot, and yet this sower is being weird uh, in the way that he's distributing the seed. He's, he's doing it in all these places, and maybe we'll need to keep our eye out for that as we get to the explanation a little bit as well. Well, I, I think that's an outstanding observation. And so what, what are you trying to say here, Pastor, before we go into our next break? Are you talking about the foolishness of the sower? Are you talking about the generosity of the sower? Are you talking about the wastefulness of the sower? Or are you talking about maybe the recklessness of the sower. Uh, the word, the, the second one you used there, the generosity, I think that's the thing that as we're reading this parable, it's important for us to look at the things that are maybe odd to real life so that when we get to the explanation, we understand. And the thing that's odd here is that this sower is sowing the seed in weird places. And the reason he's doing that is out of his love and care, as we'll find out when we find the explanation after our break. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, Jesus has that love and care for all of us, and he gives the word even where it might not bear fruit. All right, where it it may not appear humanly to bear fruit. We'll keep that in mind, too. We need to take a short break. This is Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader, looking at the readings for Sexagesima. Don't change that dial. Lord, keep us steadfast. 
Welcome back to Proclaiming the One. We are gathered here high in the eagle's nest, as Pastor Mirandi used to say, at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, 3825 Wildbriar Lane, the uh, quote-unquote home office, third floor, of uh, KNNALP 95.7 The Cross. You can tune in anytime here. we got a variety of programming, but on Sunday mornings at 8 and 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30, our worship services here at Good Shepherd, and as long as all the technology works, Every one of our worship services is broadcast live. Please listen. If you want to join us in person, we'd love to have you here. Check out the archives at thecross957.org and give us your feedback. We would, uh, we'd love to hear what you think and what you like and maybe uh, where you'd like to have us go with uh, future programs. Sexagesima, the word, the word, the word. We have the parable of the sower from Luke 8, 4 to 15. In our uh, previous segment, we looked at some of the details. We heard the parable. We looked at some of the details with regard to the sowing of the seed, the four different types of soil that the seed was planted in and the results with regard to the harvest. Some were... uh, better than others. That's the uh, a minor way to say it. And right at the end of our last segment, Pastor Moline kind of kind of stole the thunder and said, you know, maybe maybe we're focusing um, so much on the soil and the seed, and we're not focusing on the sower. And it is foolish. I'm going to have this picture in my mind of Vicar Bader's dad driving down a gravel road in, what do we got, Loop County? What county are you guys in? Merritt County. Merritt County. Driving down the road in Merritt County, trying to plant, trying to get that planter, trying to get those blades in that planter in that hard ground of that gravel road. And if somebody saw that, they would think, man, he's nuts or he's drunk or whatever. What in the world is he doing? And Pastor Moline pointed out, and I think brilliantly, that that's how wild and crazy this parable is. Jesus teaches these parables, and we're going to get into the reason for the parables here in a little bit, but we want to talk about Jesus' explanation to this particular parable now. So keep that that foolishness, that recklessness, that generousness, I don't know. I don't know. Most people probably wouldn't see ge- being generous, um, and how that how you're being generous because it seems wasteful. But the generous attitude of the sower. Keep those things in mind as we go through the explanation. Jesus' own words. Jesus' explanation. So the first seed is planted on that uh, on that path. That uh, that gravel road in Merritt County, Vicar, what happens to that seed? The devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they don't believe anymore. And, and even and just quick, so as we go to, through these different types of soil, we know before that it does say the seed is the word of God, and so we need to keep that in mind as well as we're going through there. So the first seed lands on the. Uh, and it is taken away by the birds, but the seed is the word of God, verse okay. 11. Thanks for, thanks for uh, enforcing that. The seed that goes out is the word, the word, the word. It is the word of God that is taught, proclaimed, preached, sung. It is the word going forth. The word goes forth, the seed goes forth on the rocky ground, and before it can take root, the devil comes and snatches it up. For the Jews that were hearing this, this might bring to mind, you know, the hardness of heart. It compares the path here to the heart that the word was trying to penetrate. Uh, the hardness of heart of Pharaoh refusing to believe God's word and let the people go. The hardness of heart of the people of Israel who refused to turn from their adultery and stuff, sin from God. And for us today, the hardness of heart, not wanting to believe God's word, still today. Sure. Jer- Jeremiah says, um, uh, you have a stone heart, and God will give you a heart made out of flesh. 
one that is uh, permeable. You can uh, you can think of this at a time maybe maybe you had a bare spot in your lawn, and so you put some lawn some bluegrass seed or whatever out there. If you didn't rake that seed into the ground, um, a bird, a mouse, something oftentimes comes, and before that seed can even take root, it's gone. It's consumed. It's or the wind blows it away. Something, something. Okay. the uh, The second ground uh, seed uh, grew, uh, fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Pastor, what is Jesus' explanation for this second seed? I think this one is really good. Um, there's the uh, large churches, you know, that uh, like, for example, Rick Warren uh, teaches at, and uh, they've done these studies that uh, they have all these people that come in there, but none of them know anything about Christianity because the Word hasn't been uh, taught in depth and in, in study. And I think that's kind of what this is talking about here as well, people not actually spending time in the Word and getting into it in such a way as to uh, have a strong root uh, in their faith. Okay, so the seed germinates. Yeah. There is life. Yep. Jesus himself says, they believe for a while. And in time of testing, that gets us back to our introit, awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Do not uh, rouse yourself. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. In a time of testing, they fall away. In a time of testing, they're gone. Pastor, what does this say about those who would say God's Word teaches a once-saved, always-saved Christianity? Well, yeah, that was a big debate even in the early church in the time of uh, Augustine and uh, uh, his mother uh, was a part of a sect that said uh, those who'd fallen away aren't real Christians. Uh, and it, so it was a big issue back in the ancient church as well. Um, it, it's not teaching that. It's it's um, that uh, if you fall away, you will not be able to come back to faith. But rather, it's saying there are those who, when persecution comes, uh, they turn their back on the faith, or maybe they don't understand enough about it. When their loved one dies and they're struggling with the faith, maybe they become angry at God and things like that. But it's not it's not saying... They uh, fell away, and then the end came. It's saying they fell away because they didn't have a root, and it's very possible that the sower continues to plant and to uh, put that word out there. If, if we're looking at the sower instead of the soils, uh, there's much more good news in this particular parable. It, uh, it can lead to a lot of uh, naughtiness with regard to someone <clears throat> becoming high and mighty and haughty and thinking that they don't sin or that they are immune from the consequences of sin. And in the meantime, God's word warns us, you can lose your faith. Be careful lest ye fall. They believe for a while and then fall away right out of Jesus' mouth. The third uh seed that is planted. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. Vicar, what's going on there? What does Jesus teach us? Jesus teaches that these thorns that are choking it out are the desires and the cares of having riches or pleasures here in this life. Uh, Instead of focusing on the life to come and for the time being here, be able to undergo persecution and not have all the luxuries in life or something like that. God certainly gives us lots and lots of good gifts in this life, but we should not strive after those with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and at the same time forsake God and his word. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Luther teaches that as the explanation of the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The cares riches, and pleasures of life, uh, I suppose we could look at that as an unholy trinity of sorts, and they choke the life out of the seed. The seed, again, that has germinated, that has grown, but before it comes to maturity, it dies. Again, those who would say that it's impossible to lose your faith are barking up the wrong tree. I'll mix my metaphors there. And Finally, Pastor, 
the seed that is fallen on good soil grows and yields a hundredfold. What does Jesus teach us about that seed? Well, uh, th- that's the uh, f- the faithful seed or whatever that believes the word when they hear it. Uh, uh, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Uh, they they grow up in faith. They uh, they produce more fruit, more seed. In fact, uh, I think that's an interesting part of it too. Is that uh, uh, the seed, the word uh, that first sprouted in them grows forth into more seed uh, that then uh, falls and is scattered as well to uh, to show that same word to their neighbor. So the job of a pastor then, you know, Vicar, you're getting ready to be a pastor. Going to the seminary, you got one more year left if you pass here. You've got, um, <laughs> uh, and that's a if with a, no, I'm just joking. Um, so the job of a pastor then is to carefully analyze what kind of soil each of the members of his congregation is. Is that is that correct? Is that a is that a major part of your theological training? Uh, not at all. In fact, uh, we know from God's word that I or anybody as a sinful human being cannot look into the heart of another person and decide whether or not they are able to believe. God alone is the one that can see into our hearts and know if uh, His word is doing what. It's supposed to be doing. He says his word will never return to him empty. So as uh, somebody studying to be a pastor and hopefully to be a pastor in the future, my job is to preach and teach that word and its truth and purity. And God will use that to get the things that he wants, namely that people will believe in his son Jesus and come to faith. So, Pastor, I want to be good soil. I don't, I don't want to be the thorny soil. I don't want to be the rocky soil. I don't want to be the path-worn soil. I want to be good soil. What should I do so that I can become good soil? See, I think earlier you answered that question very brilliantly and didn't even realize it. You know, um, yeah, the, we, All of my brilliance is completely unaware. Uh, this is most... No, just... Uh, <laughs> The the point of this one is not necessarily that we should worry about what kind of soil we are or, uh, you know, try to dig our own rocks out or, uh, you know, spray Roundup on our thorns. Rather, uh, we ought to look at the sower and trust that his seed is planted and that it goes forth uh, over and over and over again. I think that's the beauty of a sower, too, in this particular picture, is uh, a sower keeps reaching in the bag and pulling the seed out and throwing it out, as he, and he, he never stops. He goes, that's his whole job, plant the seed, plant the seed, plant the seed, and that's what Christ does for us. He calls, he calls, he calls, he gives the word, he gives the word, he gives the word, and uh, we just trust that uh, as the seed is planted, it will bear fruit as God has promised, and uh, uh, I'm not saying that uh, you know some of us don't have sin that we need to address, but that's not the point of this particular parable. The point of this parable is that the word is going out, and uh, we know some hear it and believe it, and some don't. Uh, but the word goes out all the same to all people, uh, and we pray that God would keep us steadfast in that word, as we've heard in our hymn. Uh, but that's His work, not ours. As we go to the break, a couple of questions that I want to throw out for you to consider, and you can address them if you want when you come back. But um, some would say that there is a little bit of each type of soil in every person. Others would want to equate the word, the seed that goes into the ground, to Jesus, who is the word made flesh. Ponder those two questions as we go into our break. This is Proclaiming the One. Don't change that dial. FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. What a great hymn and what a great prayer. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would wrest the kingdom. 
from your hand. Heavenly Father, bless us as we hear that word, proclaim that word, and as that word bears fruit in us, through us, and gives glory to you. We are taking a look at the readings for Sexagesima, the second of our three pre-Lent Sundays. In our first segment, we looked at our introit portion, selected verses from Psalm 44. We cry out to God in the midst of our sufferings, our trials, our tribulations. God is not sleeping. He is always ready to hear and answer us. How do we know what he says? Do we have to have some sort of special dreams or like the NCAA have a transfer portal? No, God speaks to us in his word. In segments two and three, we looked at our gospel reading, Luke 8, 4 to 15, the parable of the sower. Jesus teaches us about the sower that sows the seed, sows it generously, sows it recklessly. There are four specific things that are taught here. Three of the four are not good, but uh, we've got the path, we've got the rocky soil, we've got the thorny soil, and we've got the good soil. So, Pastor Before the break, I left a couple of questions with you, and I've heard some pastors say that uh, one way to look at this is to see that each individual has a little bit of path, a little bit of thorn, a little bit of rock, and a little bit of good. Uh, is that is that a good way, or is that a uh, maybe a misleading way to look at this? I think that uh, that's probably true in the reality that all of us are sinful people uh, at the same time that we are saints. And and so we have these struggles uh, to hear the word and to believe it. Uh, Our sinful nature doesn't want that to happen. And so I don't know that that's necessarily a bad way um, to think about this. It's, It's better than to say, you know, I'm a rocky soil and I need to clean my rocks out so that uh, I can be a better Christian going forward. It's better than saying, you know, I need to move myself out of the path and into the good soil. Um, that's that's a, the wrong way to hear this. It, it's, uh, it's better to hear this being all gospel in the sense that God is giving his word to us so that we can come to faith and trusting that God will do exactly what he promises. And that generous reckless sower uh, thinks enough of us, whether we are primarily path or primarily rock or primarily thorn, that he plants the seed in us. And he has the amazing ability. I'm still seeing this picture of Vicar's dad uh, planting the gravel road in uh, Merritt County, right? Merritt County. And uh, uh, everybody just going, what in the world is he doing? The amazing thing is that God can remove the stones, remove the thorns, permeate that hard ground. We don't do it for ourselves. God has the ability and he does do that. Whatever our uh, particular predicament is or our our sinful nature. Even, uh, I mean, farmers today, I don't know how it is here in Nebraska. Vicar will have to fill me in, but North Dakota, where I was before, every spring the rocks slowly flowed up through the freezing and the thawing. And so in the spring before they planted, they had to go pick up the rocks. That's a sower job. That's not a dirt job. Uh, The thorns and and weeds that grow have to get sprayed. That's a sower job, not a dirt job. And so if we see it that way, that's that's much more helpful. Good analogy. And there are places in Nebraska where where there are rocks that, that keep coming back up. But for the most part, most of the farm ground in Nebraska is not like that, is not that kind of rocky soil. We have other problems. We have other problems with, with weeds and moisture and sand and those kind of things. So the other question that I left you with before our break is uh, a Christological question, and uh, our hearers can figure that out. When we talk about something Christological, it has to do with Christ. It has to do with Jesus. Jesus is the Word. The Word made flesh. Jesus teaches us this. The Gospel of John in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word is Jesus. Uh, 
So when we have here in Jesus' explanation, when he says, the seed is the word of God, can we look at this parable Christologically as well? Is that a legitimate thing to do? The seed is cast into the ground, and the seed appears dead, and the seed comes to life, and the seed produces a hundred million fold in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is that a legitimate way to look at this? I, I know that's not the primary reason why Jesus told this parable, but can we do that? Well, I think Jesus himself speaks that way, and he says, unless a seed is cast into the ground and perishes, it will never bear fruit. Uh, he says that elsewhere. He and says so, that in the Gospel of John. Yep. I think it is appropriate then to understand that, and I think it also then can help us uh, get back to that center section we haven't talked about. Uh, in a second here, let's do that, but... We, we see, as Lutherans, we know that wherever the Word is, uh, the Holy Spirit is creating and sustaining faith. And, and so, yes, definitely we can see Jesus being the Word here, uh, the Word made flesh, and that he is the one, the message, the content of what is being preached and distributed all over the world through uh, pastors and through uh, even loved ones who speak the word to us. Um, that is absolutely the truth. And that's why we have those words then in verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't think we can separate that from the above thing. What's the sower distributing? God's word. He who has ears, listen to what the sower is distributing. Listen to the word. Listen to uh, to Jesus, if you will. And, and that's the whole point of all these parables and all the other teachings of Christ is to bring us to faith in him. Our uh, Sunday morning or our Tuesday morning Bible study, we've been looking at Zephaniah. And in Zephaniah 1, God says, be quiet and listen. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Habakkuk 2.20, God says, be quiet and listen to the word of God, to the preaching of God. And so if you have ears, shut up your mouth and listen. Vicar, comment. Well, I was thinking a little bit as I was listening to Pastor Moline, the generosity of this sower uh, plays out extremely today as pastors go and preach the Word of God faithfully. But even Jesus, in his own lifetime, uh, being the Word of God, was throwing himself upon rocky soil and paths and stuff like that. Who is he continually in converse with? The priests and the elders and the scribes, people that had ears but didn't want to hear him, people that he knew were someday going to finally have him killed, and yet Jesus keeps on allowing them to come to him and keeps on talking with them, sharing that word. Jesus keeps on keeping on. Vicar, do you want to read verses 9 and 10 again, that middle section that Pastor Moline alluded to? And in the time that we have left, we want to sort out what's going on here. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Okay, Pastor, we've got this secret talk here. And uh, so so is this like, like lodge membership or something like that? I have to know the secret handshake, otherwise I can't get into the church or into the kingdom of God. Uh, help Help unpack what Jesus is talking about being able to understand the secrets of God and those who see and hear are not seeing and not hearing. I think this is a way that Jesus is, is uh, I don't know if it's an exact quote, but it's pretty close to what Isaiah says uh, when he talks about parables. Uh, this would be, you know, 600, 700 years before the time of Christ. And, and it's, a simple way of saying, maybe it's not so simple, but he's saying there are some people who are going to hear the word and believe it and have faith, and there are going to be some people who hear that same word and they're not. And there's those two people here. It's uh, it's just the reality of the world that we live in. We all have those situations where we wonder, you know, I don't understand, Pastor, what my kid went to church uh, all those years, and now they have drifted away and they're not a part of the church. Um that's a reality that we we face and we deal with. And 
I can't tell you why that happens. Uh, I can't uh, tell you what you should do differently in that regard, except to continue to point you to the sower who gives out the word, the word, the word over and over and over again and say, God's in control here. God distributes his word. God brings faith to uh, to his people. And uh, that's where we ought to plant our our trust and our hope in these situations. So are you telling me that Jesus' words here where he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. We are not talking about some sort of a strict double election or double predestination where God has decided ahead of time that some will believe and God has decided ahead of time that some some will not believe and go to hell? Is that what we're, we're rejecting in your explanation there? Yeah, we would definitely reject that. God knows uh, because God knows all who will be saved and who will not, but God does not preordain some to be saved and preordain some to be hell. He doesn't uh, uh, look at us three here and he says, uh, you know, Pastor Poppy, you're going to be rocky soil, and Vicar, you're going to be walked all over, so you're going to be the path, and, you know, luckily you, Pastor Moline, are the one who's truly going to be saved. Uh, that's not the way that it works at all. God desires all to be saved. He calls to all. He distributes the word to all. The uh, uh, the reason some are saved and some are not is a mystery for us here on this side of uh, heaven. And yet uh, God's God's working it all. He's distributing the word. The sower sows the seed. The word goes out. And that's the amazing part of this particular parable. So whose fault is it? Whose fault is it if uh, somebody doesn't uh, believe and go to heaven? Is it mom and dad's fault? Is it grandma and grandpa's fault? Is it uh, the church's fault? The pastor's fault? Confirmation class was too tough. Whose fault is it? The uh, the fault of unbelief always rests with the sinner who is in the unbelief. And uh, uh, it's, it's one of those crazy mysteries uh, if someone does believe, all thanks and praise be to God for bringing that faith about. If someone does not believe, it is completely the fault of that person who does not believe. The way I always like to talk about it is, you know, you have an arm. Uh, if you cut it off and throw it away, that's your fault uh, for throwing away that nice, useful arm. Uh, but you can't make it grow there. Only God can do that. And that's the same way with our faith. Um, we can reject it and, and throw it away, but we can't make it come to us. And, and here we see in this gospel lesson that the word goes out to all. Uh, the, the word goes out to all, and there are none who are without excuse. The, uh, the words that were just spoken by Pastor Moline, I hope and pray that everyone was listening intently to. There are so many people who are riddled with guilt, guilt uh, for what they did or didn't do that drove someone away from the faith. The responsibility is not yours. It is with that individual. Pray for them. Do not give up on them. Uh, you, you may have sinned grievously against that person, but Christ, the word of God, has bled and died for you and for your salvation. And, and let the word go forth. I mean, I think we're uncomfortable with that part of it, right? So if someone doesn't believe, we don't talk religion with them. We don't uh, ever give the word. But talk about the word. Talk about how you go to church. Bring them to church, even though they might complain and, and moan and, and groan at you about it, because the word is the thing that does the work. And so don't forget that aspect of it as well. Keep sowing the word. Vicar, uh, I'd like to do something a little bit different today. Let's close with these words of promise from Isaiah fifty-five ten to 13, our Old Testament reading. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose, that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress, instead of the briars shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is Proclaiming the One. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again next week. God's richest blessings in Christ.